This is The Blunt Doctor Show. On a Thursday. On a very angry fucking Thursday. Because I am fucking tired of police in this country murdering children of color for no fucking reason. Covering it up. And then releasing the video months later only to show that they lied and covered it up. And that has happened yet again in Chicago. Where it has come out that Adam Toledo was not holding a gun when he was shot by police, as a prosecutor said, but instead was just not holding a gun. And it was again used as a justification to murder a child of color by a police officer because quite simply, the police departments in this country are nothing more than a function of white supremacy. And it continues and it continues and it continues. And it doesn't matter what happened with George Floyd last summer. And it doesn't matter that Derek Chauvin is a murderer. And it doesn't matter that this country almost erupted into a second civil war because of the actions of police departments and, you know, military groups and everything else in this country. No, no, none of that shit matters. All that matters is that police never have to be accountable for their actions ever in any situation. It simply doesn't matter. Police should never have to care. It doesn't matter if they shoot a child or an adult. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. Doesn't matter. Just fucking shoot them. Especially when that person is a person of color. Well, fuck them then. That's this country. We live in a white supremacist country. Everything that goes on in this country emanates and is a function of white supremacy. Take basic things that I talk about on this podcast. The NBA. Let's take a look at the structure of the NBA. Mostly white owners telling young black men how to live their lives. That is a function of white supremacy. I don't even need to explain what the NFL is. I don't even need to explain what NASCAR is. I don't need to explain what any of these things are. All of this shit is a function of white supremacy because every single thing in this country is a function of white supremacy. We are a white supremacist nation. There are literally people in this country who say, well, I'm a strict constitutionalist. Well, strict constitutionalists would believe that black people are three-fifths of a person, so fuck you for that. The simple fact of the, ma the matter is that this country is not holy. Nothing that happens here was ordained by a greater power. This is just a fucking country. And what has become of that is that white people can say and do anything that they want to, most especially white police. They can murder people. They can shoot people in the streets. They can shoot people on camera in the street in front of people. You can stand on a man's neck in front of other people for nine fucking minutes and, you know, people will be like, well, hey, you know, that didn't kill him. Standing on someone's neck for nine minutes didn't kill them. What the fuck are you talking about? That's this country. That's where we live. The supposedly place that is home of the brave and blah, 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 blah. Police are so brave that they shoot children running away from them. That's how brave they are. Their job is so dangerous that they have guns and the people that they're shooting don't. That's how dangerous their job is. Police are a fucking joke. All cops are bastards. Fucking anyone who still associates with the police or donates money to the police or tries to defend police is a racist piece of shit. That's it. It's gone too far. And I'm saying all this so strongly because white people have to step up. Because there's a certain point where we can't, as white people, sit here and just watch this happen and just be like, wow, I don't know, what are black people going to do? No, it's on us to end white supremacy. It's on us. You have to go to your fucking family members that are like this and you have to fight with them and you have to tell them what is wrong with them and you have to scream in their face. I'm going to have to go to my fucking father who I haven't spoken to in over a goddamn year or two years or something. I'm going to tell him who I fucking hate more than anything. I'm going to have to fucking tell him.
how wrong he is about everything and I'm going to have to fucking assault him with facts because there's simply no other way to deal with this. We cannot continue to let this, we just, we just can't let this happen. And white people cannot simply sit here and allow white supremacy to occur and act like we're not benefiting from it in those situations. White privilege is a function of white supremacy, okay? White privilege is really the nicer way of saying white supremacy. Are they slightly different? Sure. But they come from the same fucking thing and we have to end all of it. It has to be destroyed because we're literally at a point where children are shot in the streets for nothing. And I understand that this has been going on for a long time. And I understand that it's not necessarily new that this is happening, and but it's new that it's on video. I understand that. I understand that this is not a new experience for black people in this country. I'm very well aware of that. But none of that changes the fact that now you have the proof. It's on video. Everyone can see it. And there are still people who don't care. You know, in the past, if you just denied whatever, you were a fucking racist asshole. But if you didn't see it in your fucking face, you could just be a little racist asshole in your own racist asshole world. Now you have it put in front of you and you still have these feelings like there's a gigantic difference between ignorance and hatred. People who are racist out of ignorance, you know, a lot of times change when actually confronted with this shit. People who are just racist out of pure hatred, then I don't fucking know what to do with those people. And that is a huge portion of this country, apparently. I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But it is on us. It is on white people. We have to stop this. We have to stop white supremacy. Because how can we ask the people that we are actively oppressing to be the ones to stop how we are oppressing them? That is literally what is happening in this country, is that white police officers kill black people and then we say to black people, damn, that's too bad, you guys should protest. Like, that's literally what happens. We sit back and do nothing. And I know that some of us, you know, we protested last summer and we've done these things, but I'm probably not fighting with the same fervor that I was last summer. I'll admit that I probably haven't made it the central focus of my everyday life in the way that I should. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. So this is this is a message to me as much as it is a message to anyone else. We as white people have a fucking responsibility to end white supremacy in this country, to end white privilege in this country. And we have to do it now before it's too fucking late. Because white supremacy doesn't just mean black people getting shot in the streets. That's not that's not where it goes. It means that eight white people on the planet have more money than half the rest of the people in the world. And it means that those people decide every single thing that goes on. And all of the things that they decide will benefit straight white men. No matter how you look at the situation, every single thing that those people do will benefit straight white men. Income inequality and white supremacy are one and the fucking same. They're the same thing. This is all the same. Straight, rich, white men have taken over everything on this planet. And they now use every single thing they can to divide us. And they use police as their personal racist protection force to murder anyone who questions them, most especially people of color. And Americans have just accepted that police are a roving gang of executioners and that there is no, you know, recourse or questioning that can be done. A police officer is infallible in this country. All of this shit is unacceptable. All of it is unacceptable. And it's not just Chicago. And it's not just New York and it's not just Los Angeles. It's not just the big cities. It's fucking everywhere. If you think small town police aren't racist, I got another thing coming for you. Policing is inherently racist because policing comes from slave patrols. That is where police come from in this country. 
Okay, so sheriffs and officers come from slave patrols. Sure, we've always had police detectives and inspectors. But localized police forces out in the community looking for shit is a result of slave patrols, which is a result of white supremacy. Every single thing that goes on in this country today is a direct result of white supremacy because this country was built on white supremacy. So you can't tell me that police need to be reformed. No, they can't. It's impossible to reform something that is rooted in white supremacy. You can't fix that. You have to abolish it. Do we need community safety? Sure. We need therapists to help people who are having mental health episodes. We need uh, social workers to help with domestic violence or domestic abuse. You know, not always, it's not always domestic violence, but, you know, just domestic episodes. People are having a fight. We need social workers at those things. Someone's having a mental breakdown. Again, a social worker. We don't need police at any of these things. Do we need investigators to investigate violent crime that does happen? Absolutely. There is violent crime in the world occasionally. Most of it is perpetrated by police officers. But if you took them out, there would still be the occasional violent crime and you would need someone to inspect and find out what had happened there. Fine. That's gigantically different from a fucking roving group of executioning psychopaths who drive around in cars looking for people of color doing anything that they might be able to ticket them for. The whole idea of tickets and everything in this society is fucking ludicrous. Police should not be actively looking for you. You should not be actively... This is all insane. We literally live in a place where you're not free to live. Again, most especially if you're a person of color. Dante Wright was pulled over for having a fucking air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror. And then... People are out here like, yeah, well, that's the law. You're not supposed to be able to hang things from your rearview mirror. Dude, I literally have a fucking plastic cat and an air freshener hanging from my rearview mirror right now. I've never been pulled over. Okay? Dude, you want to know how white supremacy works? I once was outside my house at night because I had gotten to a fight with my partner and we were just having a disagreement about something. So I just went outside for a couple minutes. I was very drunk and very high. Someone thought I was trying to break into my own car for some reason because I was trying to go into my car and someone thought I was trying to break in and so they called the police and the police showed up and I drunkenly and stonedly explained what was going on to the cops. I did not have a medical marijuana license. Marijuana was not legal here in Arizona at the time. When the cop asked to see my ID, I went in my wallet to pull, I went in my pocket to pull my wallet out and I accidentally pulled a bottle of weed out too and flung it and it hit the cop. And I picked the bottle of weed up and put it back in my pocket and then handed him my ID. And I was like, sorry, man, I'm stoned. And he was like, okay. It was a white male cop and Hispanic female cop. And they were just like, it's okay. It's left. And I I could prove to them that it was, you know, my house and it was my car and blah, blah, blah. So they just left. Do you really think if I had been black that that's how that would have gone? The cop showed up to my house and found me drunk and high and thought I was trying to break into my own vehicle. And they just let me go and didn't even, I didn't get a warning. I didn't get a citation. I got nothing. They just left. I would have been fucking dead if I was black. That shit is a fact. They would have fucking killed me. That is white privilege. That is white supremacy. I can interact with a police officer without it resulting in my death over something basic. And there are still so many white people in this country who simply refuse to see it. And I am here to tell you that it is the realest fucking thing that there is. Police in this country cannot be reformed. They cannot be fixed. 
They must be abolished and new standards for community safety need to be put in place. And I'll tell you something else. Those new standards should be put in place mostly by people of color and enforced by people of color. Let's be honest about that. Because white police officers, it all they do is murder people of color. I don't know what else to say at this point. I'm sick of watching white supremacy take over every single thing that goes on in this country. These bootlicking bitches come out to defend murder. They come out to defend murder. They say it's okay to shoot a child because, well, he ran away or he had an airsoft gun or they show the picture of Dante Wright having a gun. Well, guess what? White people fucking post pictures of themselves on social media owning guns all the time. White people love to post pictures of themselves with AR-15s. Why is that not an issue? That's completely fine. But a, a black guy posting his handgun. Oh, well, then he deserved to be murdered by police. This is this is what happens is. Someone gets murdered and then everyone goes on their social media and troll to find every anything they can to try to justify a murder. And this is just what it all boils down to, is that white people in this country will go out of their way to justify a murder before they will go out of their way to help their fellow man. Because there is a sickness and evil, a darkness in conservative people in this country. They are hateful. They are racist. And I, I, it's, it has to stop. And the only way that it's going to stop is if other white people get in their fucking faces about it. We cannot leave it up to other people. We as white people need to stand up and say, we also will not fucking stand for white supremacy. We also will not stand for white privilege. We will strike this down. We have to participate as much as anyone else fighting. Because if we don't, then we're literally complicit. Oh, and here's some more great news that I just found out. Turns out that uh, Brianna Taylor's, one of her murderers, just uh, signed a book deal. So not only do you get to murder people of color in this country as a police officer, you also get to write a fucking book about it and make money. So think about this. We have like passed laws in this country. I don't know if they're federal laws or just state laws, whatever, but we have like passed laws in this country to prevent people from profiting off of crimes they've committed. Like you can't, you know... Make a bunch of money off of, you know, a murder tell-all or some shit. You know, the money gets redirected to the victims or whatever, usually. You know, we have ways of preventing people from, you know, committing a crime, committing a murder, and then becoming rich from it. But apparently we don't have ways to prevent police from doing that. You can just straight up kill someone in their home while they're asleep and then write a book about it. And let's... Be honest, we know that book is going to be all about how this police officer is a hero and a wonderful person, whatever, and Breonna Taylor was a thug who deserved to be murdered when she slept. And it just, I don't know how anyone can see this stuff and not want to fucking throw up. I lose sleep at night. Like, I lose my ability to fucking focus. I don't, I don't know how anyone else doesn't. Like, I don't understand how this doesn't cause everyone's blood to boil. It's like every day. It's not like every day. It is literally every day. Police murder people every single day in this country. How are you okay with that? How is that an acceptable thing? Like, there are people who truly think that every police officer is just doing the best that they can. Like, you're a human. You've never had a bad day at work where you did something that you shouldn't. And you really, truly think that never extends to police officers? Like, that's the thing that boggles my mind is that this white populace truly believes that there are certain people who are doing jobs that those jobs make them better or above. 
Like they, well, a police officer would never lie. It's their job. They're a police officer. They must tell the truth. They would never violate the integrity of being a police officer because they're a police officer. It's circular logic. A police officer wouldn't lie because they're a police officer. It makes no sense. A pastor would never lie. They're a pa Yeah, they would. They're human. All of these people are human and they're susceptible to the same things that every other human is susceptible to. That includes road rage when they're mad at some driver so they pull over and shoot them. That includes steroid rage because a lot of police officers use drugs. And that most certainly includes racism because police are a racist force. And the reason I'm sitting here and hammering this home so hard and the reason I'm going over and over on this and saying this over and over is because imagine that I just don't think white people understand what most people of color go through on a daily basis. And the reason I think that most people, white people don't understand it is because I've had to fight with people in my family about this. I've had to fight with friends about this. I've had to sit here and explain to other people who lived in a bubble that they knew nothing. And the reason that I fought so hard for this is because I used to live in that same bubble. I grew up as the same douchebag, white, edgy bitch boy that, you know, I was the same kind of idiot that all of these people were. I was never a fucking Nazi like some of these psychopaths. But I grew up in a fucking white privilege bubble where I just thought, oh, you know, they're exaggerating. The police aren't racist. They're doing the best they can, blah, blah, blah. I grew up in that bubble, too. I really did. So many of us grew up in that bubble because just honestly, when you're a white kid, the police don't interact with you. Interactions you have with police as a white child are like at school in the D.A.R.E. program or, you know, it's stuff like that. It's never they don't just like fucking come up to you and hey what are you doing pull you over at night when you're walking home because you're not suspicious to them because you're white and so all of these interactions that black kids have had teenagers have had for years we just never had them like seriously white people just never had these interactions so so many of us are simply incapable of even understanding what it's like because you're just like well that never happened to me so i think you're exaggerating and that's the point is that so many of us cannot, we simply can't internalize what it means to be judged by the color of your skin because it's never happened to us. And so the reason I'm hammering this home so much is because I think there are still people out there. I think there are people who follow me, who believe that they are anti-racist and believe that they have the right ideas, but still sit here and think, oh yeah, but most police are still probably good. You know, most conservatives are still probably good people. They're just misled a little bit. I think that there are a lot of people who are centrist in thought process or who are far too forgiving, who think that there truly is something redeemable in police, in conservatives. And I'm here to tell you that there isn't. If you at this point in 2021 still identify as an American conservative, then you are either stupid or evil. There's not a third option. They're simply not. You can't tell me after watching all of these things and understanding them, if you agree with them, then you're evil. If you literally can't even comprehend what's going on, then you're ignorant beyond belief. It's one of those two. There's not a third option. There's no difference of opinion. There's no agree to disagree. And this is the thing. Like when I grew up, it was like you could be friends with someone who was a Republican when you were a Democrat. Oh, we just disagree. Because the discussions would be like about the budget. Because just everyone was fine with America committing war crimes, to be completely honest. 
Democrats and Republicans were both perfectly fine with Americans committing war crimes. The issues were over, like, the budget and how to balance the budget. And so it didn't really matter if your friends were Republican or Democrat because the issue was only balancing the budget. And who fucking cares? We're bombing the shit out of any countries anyway. Now that some of us have gained a conscience and have moved away from the Democratic Party, which is a right-wing party, the Republicans are an extremist right-wing party, there is no left-wing party in this country, except maybe the Green Party, but... Uh, if you're not even available to be voted for truly in a federal election, then you're not really, really a party. And as some of us have moved further left and seen that, hey, war crimes are horrible no matter who commits them, even Americans. And hey, it's racist to kill black people in the street by police. As some of us have come to wake up to the basics of humanity, you know, the rest of the people don't want to follow suit. And so... I mean, this just this has led to where we are in this country, where there are so many people out there who truly believe that police are doing their best and their job is hard and blah, 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 blah. And this is honestly the problem of liberals. This is the problem of the liberal thought process. Conservatives are ignorant or evil, but liberals are just weak cowards. Liberals are cowards. To be a liberal is to be a coward. To be a liberal is to be a centrist. And to be a centrist is to be a coward. Whatever the term liberal used to mean, it doesn't mean that anymore. Because what a liberal has become in this country, at the very least, is a centrist, idealist, utopiast moron who believes that just having a blue president and a blue Senate and a blue house means that America is perfect and it doesn't matter who you bomb and it doesn't matter you know who police kill because they do it all with a blue twinge. And that's just sort of like you know what they think it's like oh well it's tinted blue so whatever you know you know again we've all seen the meme that's you know the republicans dropping a bomb and then the democrats drop a bomb but it's rainbow colored and that really is how the democrats view everything and that's what a liberal is a liberal is a centrist coward who doesn't actually have you know a true feeling on anything and by the way i don't know if i'm pretty sure i have explained my feelings on this but i'm going to go ahead and reiterate them centrism is cowardice by its very nature. To be centrist is to say, I don't have an opinion. I am simply in the center of two other people's opinions. So centrism by its very nature is cowardice. It means that you're not strong enough to actually stand up for what you believe in. You're just trying to navigate what other people think and find a middle ground. Compromising every single thing that everyone says is not an ideology. And it's also not smart. Just sitting here and saying, I'm going to be in the middle of the road when the left wants simple humanity and the right wants to be able to murder people. That's not that's not smart and it's not reasonable. So anyone who would label themselves as a a centrist is someone that I would label as a coward. And by the way, I'd say this to your fucking face. Anyone who would label themselves as a centrist is a coward. That's it. I'll tell you if you come tell me you could be the closest person to me in the world. And you said, hey, I'm a centrist. And I would tell you then you're a fucking coward. That's it. That's, that's just what it is. There's there's literally no debating that. Like, there are certain things that are just true in this world, okay? And here's a couple of things that are true. Being, being humane and wanting to feed and house the poor and make sure that everyone has food and shelter and water, that's not a radical fucking idea, okay? That's a truth. That's not a radical idea at all. It's just being humane. Wanting to gas people 
wanting to and by the way uh that's still going on in uh in the biden administration we fucking literally put children in these migrant detention centers and then they spray them down with these covid sprays they like they've like sprayed people with fucking lysol spray to the point that they can't breathe in some of these detention centers it's like literally a gas chamber that's america for you i really hope that most of that stopped when trump you know left office but i don't know just because i haven't seen it anymore doesn't mean it's not happening Biden is like, no more kids in cages. And they're just like, no, we put the kids in nicer cages. Every single thing that has happened since this man became president is exactly what we warned you about. It was was all going to be performative nonsense. And that's all it's been. That's all it ever is with the Democrats. I'm just tired. Tired. I am tired of this bullshit. Millions of people every single day call out for the end to white supremacist policing And all of those calls fall on deaf ears, but they'll come out and take a knee in in kente cloth. We sit here and we beg and we beg and plead for them to stop putting children in cages and deporting people. They're not hurting us. No one's upset. No one cares. There's no one around here who is affected in any way by people who have come to this country to try to have a better life because they've been misled into believing that America is great. None of us are hurt by them. But you know who is hurt? The children that you put in a fucking cage and separate from their parents forever. They are hurt. And what kind of person can do that? The truths of the Trump presidency are that there is a disturbing disconnect between what an American person tells you is acceptable and what they actually will accept. Because the average American will accept far more violence. The average American will accept far more death, far more pain. So long as it doesn't personally affect them. They'll sit here and tell you that something is unacceptable and then watch it occur. And then scroll to the next thing. Because that's ultimately what it boils down to is that we've been desensitized to murder, to internment camps to you know virtual slavery that we run in our prisons we've been basically numb to all of that to the point that we post videos of children being murdered on twitter and half the country will rush to defend the murderer that's america that's who we actually are this idea of this great country that liberates other people from tyranny and loves all people of the world, most especially Americans. It's just false. We kill our own people in the same way that we kill people around the world. I don't actually know who we kill more. And the simple fact of the matter is that the average white American benefits from it or profits from it in some way. And that's America. So, All of those things being said, it is truly on us, on white people, to step up and take a stance against white privilege, against white supremacy. We have to. It's not enough to just not be racist. We have to be anti-racist. We have to fight racism. When we see someone being racist, we have to stop it. When we see a police officer going 
to arrest a young man of color or a young woman of color. We need to intercede and record and make sure that all laws are followed. When, when anything occurs, we need to be out there at these protests and we need to be putting our bodies on the line, standing in between police and other people because they won't kill us with the same level of joy. Then they won't just shoot us for no reason the way that they will people of color. We need to be out here fighting. We just have to, because if America was ever great, and it wasn't, but if America was ever great, it would be in a time in which people stood together to fight against actual tyranny, actual oppression, not white people getting mad at the British for taxing them and then wanting to own their own slaves. It would be all of us coming together to fight a racist, prejudiced government that goes out of its way to murder its own citizens. That would be when America was great. And it would not be again, and it would not be keeping America great, it would be making America great for the very first fucking time. This country has never been great. We were a slave nation, then we were a nation of people who dropped nuclear weapons on the Japanese and interned them in camps. Then we were a people, a nation of people who murdered people in the Middle East for oil. We've never been a great nation. Ever. But we have a chance to be. Now. The only opportunity for America to be great is to change the future. Because the path that we're on is literally a path of destruction. The fall of the Roman Empire awaits us if we continue this way. So the only way to actually have something matter in this country is for all of us to stand together and simply say we will no longer tolerate white supremacy. We will no longer tolerate fascism. We will no longer tolerate police who commit murder. We won't. And there are ways that we can fight this. And it may seem impossible. And I know that everyone, I can't even begin to imagine how difficult this is for people of color, but for white people who feel exhausted right now, we haven't been dealing with this our whole lives. So we have the opportunity to step up. We have the opportunity to assist, to amplify, to be allies in any way that we can. And this does not mean that we should be thought leaders, by the way. I'm talking strictly to white people right now about things that I have learned that I am relaying to you. You should not be telling people of color anything. You should be telling other white people this information. Our job is to work with other white people to change their minds. That is truthfully the job of a white person in this social revolution, is to reach out to the MAGA idiots and try to connect with them and make them see that... Humanity is not radical. That socialism is literally just helping people socially. Making sure that people are not hungry, are not thirsty, that they have a place to sleep. That's all socialism is. Medicare for all is not a bad idea. People are like, oh, you don't know how bad my Medicare is, blah, 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 blah. We just want to reduce all the paperwork. You go to a hospital, you get treated. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to help people. And it just, it's on us as white people to reach out to other ignorant fucking white people and try to correct the way that they think. Because it's the only way that the future gets any better. We have to fight. I'm going to reach out to family members that I hate and I'm going to try. I'm going to fucking try. Okay? 
I don't know if I have it in me to reach out to my father yet, but I have other family members who are misguided. I have other friends who are misguided, and I'm going to make an effort with them. I'm going to make an effort with one person. So just go make an effort with one person. We got to try. And then after you make that effort with one person, I think you're going to feel better, and you're going to talk to a second person, and I know I will. We have a responsibility. We just do. We have benefited all our lives from something that we didn't earn, something that was random chance. And we were, you know, born into a country that treated us like we were first class citizens because of it. And it is now our time to use that privilege to fight back and end that privilege. Let's shift to some happy stuff. Something really cool that happened today. A former coworker of mine, I won't name names on this podcast, but a former coworker of mine, um, posted a video of his son who has cerebral palsy saying that the sons playing the Kings tonight was problems for the Kings, baby. Bad news bear style, just like Gambo does on our local radio station. And in any case, him saying it was problems for the Kings that they were playing the Suns tonight was enough to attract the attention of not only the local radio station, but also the Phoenix Suns. So I got to hear my former co-worker on local 98.7 talking to Burns and Gambo, and we heard his son, and now they're at the current Suns game, which is awesome. Suns currently lead the Kings 19-13 to in the first quarter. Six minutes left in that first quarter, too, so if you bet the over, you're feeling good. But anyway, the point is... That in all of the bullshit that goes on in the world, it's really cool when we can see something fun and nice that happens. Good news, if you will. And um, this dude who I used to work with is a very good dude. So I'm really glad to see his son getting something really awesome happening for him, especially given they're both huge sports fans. It's just a cool thing. If you go look at the son's page on Twitter, you can see all the details of that. Um, but, you know, every now and then, even I... You know, Mr. Cynic, who comes on here to rant about all that is wrong with the United States. You know, I'd love to see these things that, that you make you feel happy. You know, um, the world is a tough place. And so anytime there's a heartwarming story that you can connect with, um, you know, that's that's aces, man. I love it. And um, I'm super thrilled of the Suns for being a forward thinking organization and making sure that they're on Twitter reaching out to all their fans and especially connecting with those people who, you know, it's a special moment to go to a Suns game. That shit's awesome. I love it. And I'm happy to see it. Another cool thing about today is that this is Jackie Robinson day, the day that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in major league baseball. Um, and it's an important day. It's an important day to remember when we consider the struggle of every athlete of color in this country, what Jackie Robinson did for them and what he had to endure. Um, it's an incredible thing. And I mean, truthfully, like this should be a holiday. This should be something that's celebrated much more than it is. It shouldn't be a thing that just sort of comes up on Twitter. It's a really big deal. Um, especially considering that when you look back historically, you know, baseball is, you know, dating back to basically the 50s and before that, it's basically the sport with most uh, importance in the United States. You know, basketball and football really didn't come on till later. Hockey came from Canada. Soccer has always been more of an international thing. You know, from the 1880s sort of to the 1950s, baseball was kind of everything. 
in terms of national sports in this country. So what Jackie Robinson did is more than just a baseball highlight. It's more than just a sports highlight. It's really an incredible victory for, you know, workers across the country. And not that we should need to win victories for workers. Workers create all of the value and, you know, owners of companies steal their value. But in any case, um, Jackie Robinson Day is an important day that should be celebrated more than just as an important day for baseball and more than just as an important day for sports, but as an important day for this country, the day that it's the first time that we truly, well, no, I don't know. It, it really, here's the thing. It's like, you shouldn't celebrate the day that America became 0.1% less racist. Like, that's the problem. It's like, this is a very cool day, but it shouldn't be. Like, there never should have been a scenario in which Jackie Robinson had to break the color barrier. That's the problem with this country, is that we have to sit here and celebrate milestones that should never have occurred because of how horrible this country is. And that's something that I think we don't ever think about enough, is that these things shouldn't be milestones. They never should have occurred. Jackie Robinson should have just been in the major leagues for his incredible talent. And... You know, this is not to say that it's not important and we shouldn't celebrate what Jackie Robinson has done. We should. But we should also recognize that it's embarrassing that white supremacy has created a need to celebrate black people being welcomed into roles that they should have been welcomed into from the beginning. And that's sort of the flaw of America, right? Is that no matter what good things you see, they should have never been this way because we've been horrible from day one. So, yes, let's celebrate Jackie Robinson Day, and it's an incredible day for sports. But let's also acknowledge that the reason it's an incredible day for sports is because white people were horrible. Sorry, but that shit is true, and it needs to be acknowledged. There are a couple of retirement announcements that we should discuss across the NBA and the NFL. Number one, LaMarcus Aldridge retired today suddenly, like super abruptly, super suddenly. And it turns out he has a problem with a heart arrhythmia. Um, and that's a fucking bummer. LaMarcus Aldridge is a dude who was a very good player, spent a long time in Portland, you know, came in, you know, he was sort of the third dude behind Odin and Brandon Roy. Um, and then both those dudes had to retire early for medical reasons, and LaMarcus really emerged, and then he paired up with Dame, and, you know, their timelines weren't really the same. LaMarcus, which in San Antonio, it didn't quite work how anyone would have wanted. Um, but he's a great player. So close to 20,000 points, it sucks he wasn't able to get there. Um, nonetheless, this is a sad retirement because, you know, LaMarcus... Gave up a bunch of money to go to the Nets. And he was ready to compete for a title with the Nets. And he actually had a couple of games recently. You know, he blocked Zion a couple of times. And he proved his worth a little bit. And then, you know, for this to happen, it sucks. You know, full disclosure, in 2015, when LaMarcus was leaving the Blazers and trying to choose between, you know, the Suns and the Spurs... I was all over that, you know. I badly wanted 
LaMarcus Aldridge to come to Phoenix. And so, you know, he's someone I've respected for a long time. And I understood why he chose the Spurs. Um, I think it would have gone a little better than people realize if he had chosen the Suns, but that's fine. Nonetheless, it's always a bummer when a dude has to retire for medical reasons. Like, you know, we never root for injuries on this show. We never root for any medical whatever on this show. And, you know, uh, just a bummer. It's a bummer to see LaMarcus give up all that money because he wants to chase a ring and then get his opportunity and then have to retire. It sucks. I hope that the Nets, I know that he's barely around with the Nets, but he wanted to be there. I hope that they find a way to employ him as like a bench coach. And I think if they want a ring, he would deserve it. I I know that that's kind of ludicrous. Like, he's not been a long-time Nets guy. He doesn't, you know, I understand all those things. But let's just consider for a moment this scenario. LaMarcus gave up a bunch of money because he was on a team that's in a rebuild. You know, that happens. It's fine. And he got to go to a contender. Like, you know... LaMarcus spent a long time with the Blazers, longer than most dudes do with the first team. Like, he was with the Blazers until he was, like, 30 or 31. And, yeah, he left for the Spurs, but he left for the Spurs when the Blazers were rebuilding around a young Dame. You know, Dame was still in his early 20s at that point, and... You know, it was hard to know that Dame was going to become as good as he was, and maybe LaMarcus should have stayed, but it's not an inexcusable thing when LaMarcus came in as the third player and gave everything to his team for all of his 20s. And, you know, the Spurs thing didn't work how anyone would have hoped. Kawhi Leonard, you know, all that stuff changed. You know, I this is how this stuff goes. It's just how it all is. You know, this is just, it's just the nature of sports. And I just think that given all that occurred and what he has meant to the NBA and, you know, everything else, I just, I hope that, you know, he did everything he could to get to a championship contender. And I just hope that the Nets keep him around in one way or another, assuming he wants to be there, of course. And I hope that if they win, he gets a ring. I mean, there's still plenty of things that he could teach Nick Claxton, right? Let's be honest. LaMarcus Aldridge is still a very good player. And, you know, maybe he can't play anymore, but he was still an all-star, all-pro type player. And there's a lot that he could teach those guys. And so, you know, I just hope that the Nets don't waste that because it was sort of questionable what on-court stuff he was going to provide anyway. So if he can mentor some of your younger bigs, like, I'm sorry, but I think that's a phenomenal thing. And I don't think it's something that the Nets should ignore. You know, that's just my opinion. Another retirement announcement moving to the NFL is Julian Edelman announcing that he is retired from the Patriots. And, you know, for his regular season statistics, Julian Edelman was, I mean, I don't want to say pedestrian because pedestrian implies he could have been replaced by people off the street. And that's not true. Edelman was an above average receiver. Edelman was a clutch receiver. Jules always found a way to make an impact. But it is also true that the majority of the impact with Jules was found in the playoffs. You know, whereas Wes Welker 
in his time with New England would, you know, be, you know, I mean, he, you know, he had numbers comparable with the top receivers in the league in terms of, you know, catches and yards. Jules never had that, but Jules was always clutch. And his playoff numbers are up there with like Jerry Rice. So in terms of Hall of Fame, in terms of regular season numbers, no, Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. But like, I have a question. Why do playoff numbers not count? And I'm going to tell you why I asked this question. Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame. And Joe Namath is literally, 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 literally one of the worst quarterbacks of all time. Go look up his statistics. They're dog shit. They're garbage. He's fucking terrible. But he's in the Hall of Fame because... In the league's infancy, he guaranteed a championship, which he technically delivered by being the starting quarterback for a team that won because of their defense, not because of him. But Joe Namath statistically is fucking terrible. So if Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame, you can literally not make any argument that Julian Edelman shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Because... You know, in terms of playoff stats, Julian Edelman is basically only behind Jerry Rice. So in terms of NFL football and helping teams win fucking championships, Super Bowl trophies, rings, Julian Edelman is at the top because he made multiple huge catches that helped teams win Super Bowls. You can basically argue with a high level of confidence that the Patriots would not have won the Seahawks Super Bowl, the Falcons Super Bowl, or the Rams Super Bowl without Julian Edelman. Like, just truthfully, look at what occurred. In the Seahawks Super Bowl, Julian Edelman made multiple late conversions of third downs, including a play in which he got a concussion. In the Super Bowl against the Falcons in the 28-3 comeback, literally all of us on planet Earth watched him make one of the greatest catches of all time, which people still today watch him catch a ball above two blades of grass and were like sitting there like, no, no, no. No, a human man didn't actually make that catch. That's not physically possible. And he did. He did that shit. And then, of course, he capped it all off with a Super Bowl MVP against the Rams. Which, you know, people make a lot of arguments, blah, blah, blah. But Edelman had 10 catches for 141 yards. And he literally controlled field position for the Patriots in that game. Everyone hates that Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. It was boring. It wasn't blah, blah, blah. But that's literally one of the best defensive games played of all time. You literally had two dominant defensive lines controlling every single thing that was going on. And you had two teams trying to scrape out every single yard that they could to control the line of scrimmage. And the one player who did that, the one player who managed to keep the Patriots in control of the game was Julian fucking fucking Edelman. Fucking Edelman, fucking Edelman, fucking Edelman. Yeah, I'm not editing that shit out because that's what happens. I've been recording forever right now and I'm just leaving that shit in because I'm frustrated because I'm mad and that's what's up. 10 catches for 141 yards and a Super Bowl MVP and people still don't respect this dude. 141 yards, man. He helped control the line of scrimmage in that game. And that's after the dude made one of the biggest catches of all time that we've seen in the Falcons game. And that's after the dude made two major conversions against the Seahawks and caught a touchdown 
he had a concussion. Uh, listen, I understand the regular season arguments. If you sit here and go through Julian Edelman's regular season statistics, they don't measure up to a lot of dudes. But I'm really curious, why do we give a shit about dudes who had incredible statistics in 5 and 11 seasons? Why does that matter? So they weren't getting doubled because no one cared about them. Is that impressive or something? I understand that we're trying to put the best players of all time in the Hall of Fame. I understand that thought process. But why is one of the best players in the history of the playoffs not in the Hall of Fame? Like, how does that make any sense? How does it make any sense that the Hall of Fame doesn't honor a player who stepped up when the stakes were highest? How is that not something that's part of the Hall of Fame? Because again, Joe Namath is literally in the Hall of Fame for one win. One win that he had a little bit to do with, but it's he's essentially in the Hall of Fame because he guaranteed a win in the media in a time when his team was not favored. And that's fine, whatever. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that we're going to adjust the rules for old school players or whatever, how are we not going to adjust the rules for a guy who dominated championships and dominated the playoffs? A guy who has a Super Bowl MVP. A guy who literally can sit here and point out how he majorly affected three championship runs of maybe the greatest team of all time. How is being the favorite target of the best quarterback of all time in the midst of three Super Bowl runs in his later career? Like, how is that stuff not Hall of Fame worthy? Like, guys make the Hall of Fame because they're really good in, like, week 12... Like, you know what I mean? Like, they have these regular season statistics that, like, prop up an otherwise decent season, but because they picked off three balls in this extra game, or because they caught two extra touchdowns in this game, or because they rushed for an extra 150 yards in this game, it's like, I'm supposed to sit here and be like, wow, you did a bunch of stuff against a garbage team, but somehow competing against the best teams in the playoffs means nothing? Yeah, no, it doesn't mean nothing. It means a lot. And so this is just, I'm just going to say this and it's going to stand. Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer or Joe Namath is not a Hall of Famer. Like, I'll, 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 that's exactly where it's at. Julian Edelman is literally statistically the second best playoff receiver of all time. And I don't really care what you sit here and say about, well, he had to make it there, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. Winning is the whole point. This is the thing that drives me crazy is that before we reached a point where it was like, well, if you didn't win rings, you're not good at all. And the only thing that makes you good is when you win rings. And that was ridiculous. But now we've trended back towards another point where it's like, well, winning doesn't even matter. Just being good is the only thing. And it's like, I've had to sit here for years and hear about how Devin Booker isn't good because he doesn't win. And now that he is winning, he's not as good as Jamal Murray because he didn't win in previous years, blah, blah, blah. This shit is stupid. Okay? Just let's rate players on what they are. Let's rate players on what they accomplish. And I'm sorry, but Julian Edelman being one of the greatest playoff receivers of all time is something worthy of Hall of Fame consideration. 
if you're literally going to sit here and tell me that Jerry Rice and his 4-0 record in Super Bowls or 3-0 record, I believe Jerry Rice is 3-0 in Super Bowls, but Joe Montana is 4-0, whatever. If you're going to believe, you're going to sit here and tell me that those guys' records in Super Bowls is so incredible and all they did in the playoffs makes them infallible, then how is Julian Edelman being a dominant playoff receiver not something that matters? Because he was. Go look at the statistics. He's literally the second best playoff receiver of all time. And again, I will accept if he's not in the Hall of Fame, but then Joe Maymus shouldn't be there. Like, just what are we judging? What is the Hall of Fame? Like, like truly, is it the Hall of Regular Season Statistics? Then, okay. Then, fine. Then take out anyone, like... <laughs> like... Joe Flacco got paid, and I understand getting paid and getting in the Hall of Fame are different, but Joe Flacco got paid off of one postseason run where he was good one time. He was good one time. And people will sit here and be like, well, Joe Flacco provides more value than Julian Edelman, blah, blah, blah. No, he doesn't. Julian Edelman provided max value to three Super Bowl teams. And maybe that's not an argument people ever make, but my point is sort of like, We'll debate for years whether or not Joe Flacco's elite, but no one will even consider the idea that the primary receiver on three Super Bowl teams is a Hall of Fame player when he faced, like, literally the best defense of all time in the Seahawks and one of the best defenses of all time with maybe the best defensive line of all time with the Rams. Like, those things don't matter. I understand the regular season argument. Then get Joe Namath out. Okay? My, my argument is very simple. If the Hall of Fame requires that you be a dominant regular season player, then Joe Namath, New York Jets quarterback, should not fucking be there. And if the Hall of Fame does not require that you be a dominant regular season player, but only that you have significant moments in, well... In Joe Namath's place, one championship game. How about three? Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame. Sorry. Based on the current requirements to be in the Hall of Fame, Jules should be there. And if he's not, then we need to remove people who don't belong there. And that's my fucking argument. And that is The Blunt Doctor Show. A few more topics I wanted to cover, but we really hit a lot of important stuff today, and we're going to stay on that. And I'll return in the morning with another episode. And in the meantime, love your family, love those around you, give respect to everyone in your life. And please try to do your best to, well, not give respect to the white supremacist assholes in your life, but give them lessons and teach them and fucking change their minds. Because this world is bullshit and we got to do our best to turn it around as much as we can. And that's the Blunt Doctor Show. Peace.